720 WGN 909. Mark Carmen with you tonight. Hope you enjoyed the Blackhawk game. Hawks win, Hawks win. And I hope you were with us back at 6 o'clock. And if you weren't, you can go to WGNRadio.com where you will find a post that's called White Sox Weekly Remembering Ed Farmer with the people who knew him best. We had on a host of guests, including the chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf, Senior Director of Business Development and Broadcasting, Bob Grimm, the sod father, the head groundskeeper, Roger Bostard, was on, Scott Reifert, who's the Senior Vice President of Communications, uh, Paul Zarang, outstanding engineer and great friend to Farmio, and uh, we topped it off with Darren Jackson, his partner, uh, to wrap up the show. Now we're doing part two uh, coming up right now, going till 10 o'clock. We're going to have a Hawk. Ken Harrelson's going to be on a little bit after 9.15. Tom Morrow, who has done security at Guaranteed Rate Field for basically the same time that Farmia worked there, almost 30 years, will be on. And uh, Melty will be joining us as well. That's all coming up. But right now we start with Dave Zaslowski, who I've worked now at WGN for a little over two years and as our White Sox producer and worked hand-in-hand with Farmio. Zaz, thanks for taking a couple of minutes, my friend. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to do it, Carm. You know that. I, I, I know you are. Uh, so just tell me about, because you started to get to know Ed at the previous radio stop, uh, up the dial, and then, of course, you came here as well. So you've been working with him for four-plus years now. Uh, you know, just, just talk to me about how that relationship developed and how you guys became friends. Well, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, it, it was great that you came back here playing Chicago because that was Ed's yep. favorite group, favorite group by far. Um, and our relationship actually, our relationship actually started off kind of rocky. <laughs> it was the very first spring training game that we did at the other radio station, and. You know, in my background as a producer, I'm used to talking to talent in their ear. You know, I'm used to being in their ear, talking to them, telling them things, helping them out. And right away, first inning, something happened. I don't even remember what it was. Well, I talked in their ear. Now, this is spring training, first game. And I talked to Ed and DJ in their ear. Nobody could hear it but them. Right away, calls me out on it. Darren, do you hear something? <laughs> did you hear something? Somebody did somebody say something? No. This weird noise in my ear. That's how our relationship started. And then when we went to commercial, you know, he he let me know in no uncertain terms right at that point that he didn't like that, and let's not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and. And from that point on, our relationship blossomed, and I will tell you that of all the people I've worked with in my career, which is 30 years-ish, I've never had a relationship with somebody like I've had with Ed Farmer. He is everything that everybody has been saying about him. Uh, that's, that's That's the best I can put it. Were you, first of all, I love that story. Is that something in my ear? 
Is, this, is his name Zaslowski? Because he's about to get ripped on the break here. Don't you tell me what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 25 years, Dave Zaslowski. <laughs> I, I, I love. He said, "Hey, listen. I'm, this is what it works for me, and and he's the one that's on the air. So it's got to be. It's all about team. And I know you were more than happy to be on the team, but uh, Zaz, you you uh, kind of had a little peek behind the scenes as to." You know what the challenges were for Ed in the last couple of years, and you know trying to support him. What was that like? Well, you know what it was just it, it was helping him out with 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 what he needed. You know, it was just making sure that he had all the papers that he needed for the game, and not have to be chasing stuff down up there, and. You know, talking to him during the day and, you know, especially when they were on the road because, we, you know, I wasn't on the road with them. And, you know, if I had to get things to the to either the White Sox PR people or if I needed to get things to add that paperwork and had to send it to the wherever they were playing to to that team's PR so they could print it off and bring it to him just things to to make his life a little bit easier and you know so he could just get to the park get into the booth sit down put his headsets on and and start to call the game yeah and i'm i'm up against the clock here we're going to play hawk coming back here but he didn't even want the extra help right like I read something where, hey, Farmio, it's the White Sox. We'd like to make things as easy as possible for you. You can park in the handicap spot. He's like, yeah, no, not parking in the handicap spot. I'll get there a little bit earlier so I get the best spot in the lot. I think Barry Rosner wrote that, or whoever it was. Maybe it was Sully. I forget. But uh, he he didn't. He wanted things to be as normal as possible, and you wanted to support him at the same time. Right. Didn't want it. You know what? Ed Farmer doesn't need it. But. If you needed something, Ed Farmer was at the front of the line to get it for you and to help you out with it. You want to tell the story about your daughter? You know, my my daughter wanted to go. My daughter lives in Connecticut, and she wanted to go to a game when the White Sox were playing the Red Sox. She asked me if I could help her get tickets, and I asked Ed, and he said, yeah, sure, no problem. But you have her call me. I'm not getting her tickets for you asking. You have her call me. <laughs> I love that. He wanted to talk to your daughter and have a little relationship and, and hook her up for a little White Sox, Red Sox. I just I find that to be beautiful, Zaz. But he never said no to anybody. You've, you, yep. you've heard him. You've been in there. People have asked him. I mean, if it were if Ed were able to do it, he would have put the Beatles back together. Yep. Hey, Farmio. I mean, sir. he... <laughs> He would do anything for anybody, yeah. and I'm glad that the the outpouring over the last couple of days for Ed that everybody has gotten to see just the positivity that everybody has put out there. It, it it's well deserved, and I, I'm really glad to see that's happened. No doubt. Hey Zaz, appreciate you jumping on, my friend. All right. Hey, no problem, Carm. Glad to do it. Dave Zaslowski, White Sox producer, with us on 720 WGN. Hawk is next, 720 WGN.
Anova have to look at second deals, and that's a ground ball third. Could be three. The second for one on the first. Triple play. They turn the triple play. It goes five, four, three on a triple play. He did get the double play, but he also got a bonus with a one a third. How about that? Getting the Astros here, and here's Canerco on the pitch to PK. Swinging along with a left. It's going to go. It's a slam. Sox lead, 6-4. Light it up. It's 720 WGN, and it's always a thrill to talk to Ken the Hawk Harrelson. Hawk, these are not the circumstances that we want to have you on the air on, but uh, I want to go back to 1971, the final year of the Hawk about to retire in Cleveland, and then an Ed Farmer showed up, and I believe you told him, like, hey, young fella, your nail where you hang your your stuff is over there. You you got to work your way up to get to this spot, my friend. Is, do you remember that, Hawk? <laughs> yeah, I remember when he joined us in spring training. You know, he was eighteen years old and big, big gangly kid, and uh, you you could tell right away there was something special about him. Especially a couple times when you first couple times you saw him on the mound, and uh, I I've known him for fifty two years. You know, it's just that simple and. Every year I've known him, I've just grown to love him more and more and more. You know, I love him like a, a brother. And I've shed my tears. Eris, my wife, has shed her tears. Krista and Casey, our children, have shed their tears. And we have all decided that now we're just going to celebrate the life of a great guy. And that's Ed Farmer. No doubt. I'm thinking about the different sides of Farmio. There's the different sides of Hawk, too, right? Farmio... Yeah, if he didn't like you, he was going to drill you, and then he'd be the oh, yeah. the sweetest person <laughs> in the history of the world, and would you know he'd give you a Cadillac. So that, right, there's just two there's two different sides to Farmio that makes him the beautiful Farmio that he is. Yeah, he was he's a unique guy. You know, he was a unique guy. There's no there's no question about that. He's one of the toughest guys I ever ever played with. I think the only pitcher that I've ever known and, and seen and faced who was. Uh, meaner than Farmio was Don Drysdale. You know, Drysdale was the first guy to go a two-for-one deal. You have one of his guys, he's going to get two of yours. And Farmio became one of those two-for-one guys as well. And he didn't, but the thing about Farmio was that he didn't try to knock you down. He tried to knock you out. You know, he, he, he wasn't afraid of anything or anybody. And that's one reason everybody loved him. But on the other side of that page, there's some guys that hated him. You know, some guys that just couldn't stand him because they they either did something or, or said something. And Farmio at that point, uh, he would let you know exactly, you know, how he felt about you. It's just that simple. What do you think it meant to him, Hawk? And I guess I know the answer to this, but I'm asking it anyway. Because you sat in that booth forever, and, and, and so did Ed. And there's a certain love the certain respect and just uh just uh the whole part about getting to sit in that seat and do it and broadcast to white Sox fans that you loved so much and and i know farmio loved it equally well nobody loved uh nobody loved there are some guys like myself who love the Sox as much as eddie but nobody loved the Sox more than than farmio you know he was a south sider to it through and through, and he just he was the guy who was a White Sox guy. He wanted to play for the White Sox. He told his mom he was going to play for the White Sox, and he got to do that. And I, I tell you, one of the things that, that 
people ask me, you know, what was there one thing that you really remind uh, that reminds you of Parmio? And I said, yeah. I said, I'd never get in the car with him when he was driving. <laughs> I mean, I just, he was crazy. He really was. I remember, uh, you know, we were living down at the Harrow Point Towers there. So if you missed a window of going to the ballpark, then you hit that traffic. And we were like, you know, wall to wall going to the ballpark one day. And all of a sudden, I look in my right rearview mirror, and here comes this car on the shoulder. And I'm going at best, you know, five, six miles an hour. And here's this car going 40, 50 miles an hour on the shoulder. And I'm saying to myself, uh-oh, we got an accident happen. And all of a sudden, he passes by, and I look at him. It was Farmio. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got up on the 35th Street exit, you know, to go to the ballpark. But Drysdale's the only guy I've ever seen that was a faster driver. Now, DJ, don't get me wrong, DJ – was would drive fast too, but uh, Eddie and and uh, DJ and myself, we used to go play golf on the road, and we'd have so much fun. You know, he he, Farmio's the kind of guy he'd give you a shirt off your back if you liked it. If you told us Farmio, I like that shirt, man. I tell you, he said, I'll get you one like it. That's the way he was, and you know, he went to mass almost every morning. As I said, my family, he's like a member of our family. My wife, Harris, and daughter, Krista, and Casey, our son, we, we just loved him to death, and DJ as well. And I was so happy. I used to love that when we were broadcasting a game, I used to love to listen to those guys because I was going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> Who was better on the golf course, Hog? Let's get competitive. Well, he he was addicted to golf, and he couldn't play a lick. You know, he... Uh, <laughs> He, uh, <laughs> we were out one day, I think we were in Cleveland. And DJ and I and Farmy were out there playing, and we got on about the third hole, and I see Farmy over there on the side, and he's practicing, taking these practice swings, and you know, and I said, Farmy, I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm working on my swing. I said, Farmy, you don't have a swing. <laughs> what are you trying to prove something that you don't have? <laughs> you just, you don't have a swing. But he loved the game, I'll tell you that right now, and he was fun to play with. And there's, you know, there's just nothing bad you can say about Ed Farmer. Nothing bad. Now, the guys who don't like him, sure, they could, they could say some stuff. But guys in the White Sox family, and it is a family, I'll tell you what, we're going to miss him. There's no question about it. Barry Rosner, I'm sure there have been some great tributes written about Farmio. I wrote, uh, somebody sent me one from Barry Rosner who wrote, was just terrific and and it's the truth. We're going to miss him. I mean, there's no question about it. And Sox fans, and and I'm going to try to do everything I can because Dr. Ted Steinman, who's his doctor in Boston, and he did, every time we go to play the Red Sox in Fenway, he'd come into the booth, uh, Farmio's booth and, and DJ's booth, and they would talk. And Farmio, people don't understand, he was really a very – I mean, intelligent guy. He had a big IQ. I mean, he, he, you know, IQ is the ability to retain. And Farmio didn't forget anything. So it got to be the point that the last couple of years, everybody knew what was happening. You know, Jerry knew what was happening. Uh, Scott Reifert, Bob Graham knew what was happening. And you could see the deterioration there. And I, I 
personally, you know, every every day my mom, for the last six months, she was alive. Every day she was alive, I prayed she would die because she had no quality of life. And Farmio was, I tell you, it was deteriorated to the point that we all saw it. And that was what was so hurtful for me. And I'm starting to get a little emotional now, but I know the DJ would get behind him and on the ramp up to the plane, you know, cause he could hardly make it up the ramp. And then we'd go to the hallways, uh, when we got to somebody on the road and I'd stand behind him in case he fell. And, and I, I just so personal for, you know, Barb and Chandra, because she had a wonderful husband and Sandra had a wonderful dad. Yeah. Well, I was watching him in his last year and he missed, uh, you know, some time when he's coming back and you could, you know, see his legs weren't in great shape. And, and yet it just meant so much for him to do it and come back. And I talked to him when he came back last year after he, I, I think he missed about three weeks in the middle of the season, Hawk. And I'm like, you know, Ed, it's great to see you. And he's, he's like, you have no idea what it means for me to be here. I'm going to say a prayer before the first pitch today, and and uh, and we're going to go away. You know, we're going to get it going. It meant everything to him. That's the way he was. That's, he, he just loved the socks. He loved doing the games. He loved getting in there, and <laughs> and, and he was a fighter. You know, he was a, he fought it. I guarantee you once right now. I know what he went through the last few years. Yeah, and and I I'm I gotta say I'm a tough guy, but I couldn't have gone what he went through for the last few years. Yeah. I couldn't have, I couldn't have done it. I'd have, I'd have gone home and you know sat on the TV and watch, I sat on the couch and watched the TV. The Farmio he fought it because he wanted to be behind that microphone doing White Sox baseball, and Jerry knew it, and Jerry loves him. It was like all of us do, you know. We, and and. Uh, He'll always be in my heart and my prayers, I'll tell you that, because I know one thing, he's in a hell of a lot better place right now than he was three days ago. Yeah, yeah. What was his relationship with Jerry? How did how did that go? Because I'm imagining there's sometimes he had to be saying stuff to Jerry that Jerry maybe didn't want to hear. Oh, he said, I'll guarantee I never said it on any of their conversations, but I'll guarantee it. Bobby <laughs> would tell him what he thought. And Jerry, uh, you got to understand Jerry Ryan's story. Uh He's a unique guy. He's one of the. He's also one of the toughest guys. Jerry Reinsdorf's a man's man, and people just don't understand that because you got guys in that city, you know, like Jay Mariotti and Dan Bernstein and Terry Boris and those guys. They just, you know, ate Jerry up every time they had a chance. And Jerry took it off. Jerry's the kind of guy that if you ever had to go to war and get in a foxhole. You wanted Reinsdorf, a farmer in there, in the hole with you. And the pitch swung on high, deep to left. Got a chance. Fit the trap. It's gone. Game-winning home run. Light it up. Sox win. 12-11. And the 0-1, a swing and a line drive right center field. This is it well. To the track. At the fence. Slam. Sox lead on a grand slam by Tim Anderson. Over the scoreboard and right. Sox lead 4-2. Turn on the fireworks. 720 WGN, always pleased, even under these circumstances, to pick it up with White Sox legend Bill Melton, who joins us now on WGN. Melty, you competed against Farmio. Of course, you guys were longtime teammates in the organization. What comes to mind first with uh, Ed passing away and how much you appreciate it? And what was, what was your favorite thing about Ed Farmer? 
Well, there's so much to talk about with that farmer. I mean, he's a local guy. He's a Sox fan. He broadcast for 30 years. He's been with the White Sox for well over 30 years. So there's not much you can say. I mean, there's people. He was kind of mechanical, you know what I mean? But if you're a, if you're a former player or player, you understand where Ed Farmer was coming from. So not so you liked him, but at first you didn't like him, and then all of a sudden you understand this is just the way he is. He's a he was a he was a great guy to be around. He was funny, uh, witty. Uh, there's not one thing in the world he wouldn't do for you. Uh, he's one of those guys that could barter for anything to get you on any course in the United States. Uh, everything. I mean, he just had people up in his booth that he cared about, went to school with. Uh, a lot of things about Ed were pretty natural. Uh, but, again, I think you really had to know him uh, a little bit because, like, when a new player would come over, they'd say, oh, he's kind of odd. No, he isn't. He, he is what he is. This is Ed Farmer. So, you know, Farmer was well-liked. Surprisingly to me, with the kidney situation about 20-some years ago, maybe a little bit back, uh, Ed never really talked about it much. So I think he talked about, uh, never talked about the amount of medicine he took. Uh, he did a lot of seminars uh, when it came to things about uh, kidneys. Uh, but otherwise than that, he never complained about anything. I think the one thing that stands out for me is the amount of work uh, that he put in under the conditions he was in with his kidney, whether it was, you know, the drugs he had to take. He was always at the ballpark. Uh, very active, so I'm very proud of uh, not only knowing him, but glad he was as active as he was. I can imagine Bill Melton and Ed Farmer having some good debates around the game of baseball, am I right? Uh, yeah, but Ed would always win, so I wouldn't even get involved. Uh, <laughs> I stayed my distance. Ed could, Ed could outsmart you, he could outdo you, he could outtalk you, know a lot about the game, no question about it. Uh, but most importantly, he was again, liked. And, you know, when players like you, a new guy will come over and say, boy, who's that oddball in the booth? But after about a week, you get to know Ed Farmer. He'd do anything in the world for you. And the players all liked him. Do you remember competing against him? I remember one thing I used to talk to Ed about. It was that filthy curve he had. Uh, that's all we used to talk about. Nothing else except for he had one of the nastiest breaking balls uh, in the American League. I don't recall how many times I faced him or when I faced him, but I just remember uh, the word uh, from other players and stuff, be aware this guy's got an unbelievable curveball. And it's one of those that you could actually, you could hear it. A little like Burt Blylevin, just... And so his breaking ball was just unbelievable. I'm curious, Melty, why do you think that Farmio was so giving. I got to know him the last couple of years. He was planning on taking me to a Notre Dame football game this year, and we were going to walk out with the band just with him, and he was giving me the time when he was going to pick me up, and we're going to, <laughs> we're going to do all this stuff. It, and it was like, Ed, we're not best friends yet. You want to, he wants to do, do it? it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. There's nothing he wouldn't do when he said things like that. He'd set up people on golf courses that nobody in the world can get on in New York. He might be in Tampa Bay, and set of somebody that called that knew Ed Farmer and set it up with somebody that he knew in New York. I mean, this guy was just unbelievable barter. I mean, he gets you anything in the clubhouse you wanted, and the Pachucci's downstairs. If you needed anything, athletic, tennis shoes, whatever, next thing you know, Ed Farmer would have two boxes of tennis shoes for you. 
Don't ask me how he did it. He just he had a knack for wherever he was. And if you said you needed a pair of tennis shoes, and let's say he was in New York, you would find him the next day, UPS. Now, how does he do it? Nobody knows. Nike knew everybody at Nike, knows everybody. So Ed was uh, pretty congenial. Again, knew a lot of people. And if he said something like that, he loved Notre Dame, and he knew everybody. So to say that to you doesn't sound surprising. Whether he knew you or not, he know he knew that you wanted to go, and he knew he could get you in the runway, and that's all you needed to know. He would he would have done it. And he didn't even know that I wanted to know. He just wanted to say, "Hey, you are coming with me to a Notre Dame that's game." That's what where... he does. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how he does it. No, you talk Notre Dame. No, you're going with me. Don't don't worry about it. I'll pick you up at a certain time. You know, he used to drive back and forth to Detroit. I mean, it was like, well, you can't you go on the, the plane? He said, no, I'll just drive. She used to do all kinds of stuff like that. Very active. You know, that's the thing I saw was the energy he had with, based on the condition he had. Ed, Ed, you know, did a lot of stuff. Played a lot of golf. Did a lot of driving. Uh, probably never slept much. So he really fought it the last year, from what I understand. Uh, you know, the kidney was starting to give out, and but he'd push his way through. Do you know what I mean? He'd argue, like I, I'm not going to, I'm not leaving the booth. Even the higher ups would say, Ed, you're not, you got too much, you know, water in your. I'm not. I got to do the game. So that's how he used to talk. So I admired the fact that what he was going through, he was not only able to overcome for 20 or 25 years, but he shared with everybody, and he never let it stop him from doing one thing until this last year. Bill Melton led the American League in home runs at 33 and 71, also at 33 and 70, 162 for your career, Melty. That's a hell of a tenure there, sir. I just want to get your numbers out there as we remember Ed. Yeah. Far- Not bad, right? As we remember our guy Farmer. Yeah, when you start sharing, yeah, when you start sharing numbers like that, look at today's numbers. So people in the studio when I was at NBC would say 160 home runs, like big deal. They do that in two years now. So all the numbers that are wiped away uh, because of this offensive onslaught yeah. uh, that's going on are kind of meaningless. It's important to me uh, because I was the first White Sox player to ever lead the American League at home runs. Uh, that was really important at the time, to be honest with you. And uh, other than that, something you never think much of. It's just like a job. What did you know about Farmio's relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf. Well, every time I saw it with friends, you know, Ed, Ed Farmer would talk to anybody just like he talked to a ball player. So he probably, probably talked the same way to Jerry. He's known him since Tony LaRusso. I mean, they were all friends. So I think what Jerry said was just, I wasn't taken back by it uh, because Ed Farmer was a friend of Jerry Reinsdorf. You know, Jerry's got. Uh, friends, he's got players that he likes, a lot of players that he likes. But, you know, Jerry, you know, Ed Farmer was a guy like, you never could get Bill Russell's autograph. You ever hear that? Yeah, that's, I, ever, I, I have, right? yeah, yeah. He, he didn't sign, right? He wouldn't sign anything for yeah. 30 years. So Reinsdorf asked Ed Farmer, could you do me a favor, is there any chance you could get Bill Russell to sign a basketball so I can give it to one of my friends? Within a week, he had a basketball signed by Bill Russell. Don't ask me how he did it, Wow, where he did it, who he called, what he did. 
But that's what Ed Farmer would do, not only for Jerry Reinsdorf, for anybody that knew him. Like asking you to Notre Dame, he meant it. And you'd have probably met, if Lou Holtz was still the coach, you'd have probably met him. Oh, he loved mentioning Lou Holtz. That was definitely his guy. He loves Notre Dame. Jeez. (laughs) Yes, yes, he most definitely did. Melty, it's always good to hear you, my friend. Thank you for honoring Ed tonight. Well, Ed's, Ed was a good man, and nobody, nobody will forget that, the White Sox. You're not in the broadcast booth for 30 years and not being acknowledged uh, as some somebody in that organization in the future. I would imagine somewhere around there his name's going to pop up somewhere. So, uh, anyway, a, a good man. Uh, sorry that, that for his family, uh, but no one, Ed, who knows? No one, Ed, you just you kept pushing and pushing right to the end. Yeah, no doubt about it. He did one game in spring training this year, and yeah. you know what? I think I, not to. Yeah, I think. I mean, who knows? But it seems like maybe he knew that the end was perhaps near, and he just wanted to do it one more time. I, that's just a guess, yeah, but yeah, that's a good guess. That's uh, something that uh, is worth thinking about because that that would sound a lot like Ed Farmer right there. Yeah, I, I don't care how I feel. I I got to do one more game. So he would drive in from L.A. where he lived and probably do a game, regardless of how he felt. He'd also drive 90, 95 miles per yeah. hour with a with no. 190, yeah. No speed limit. I go, said, no, the window, no speed limit. Yeah, I go really fast. He told, what was the, he told one other story, too, where I think oh, it was Chris Sale. He wanted to mess with Sale for some reason, and he had a police officer pull him over. Yep. Right? Am I, I'm remembering that correctly, aren't I? I think that's what Yeah, that's the kind of stuff he does. He's mechanical. He's just, you never know about Ed. I mean, he thinks of things in his mind that he never think of. That's why the players say, boy, he's a whack of a wall. What a great guy. I mean, <laughs> I think Connecticut said the best. Mount Rushmore of people yeah. uh, in baseball characters would be Ed Farmer right at the top. Melty, good to talk to you, my friend. All right, appreciate it. The great Bill Melton, 720 WGN. 720 WGN, so many people cared about Ed Farmer, and he loved to interact with everyone he crossed on his path to the broadcast booth and on his path path back to the car and wherever he went around Guaranteed Rate Field. Tom Morrow is with us now. And, Tom, your role with the White Sox is what? Uh, Supervised. Supervisor of parking uh, at Gate 4, the main entrance. So the media and the players and everybody enters through Gate 4. And you've been doing this for how long, Tom? 29 years. So right when Farmio started broadcasting games, you started seeing him every day. Yes, he uh, parked in the players' lot for many years. But for the last maybe three or four years, he's actually been coming in at Gate 4. And so how did your relationship start, Tom? How did you guys become friends? Uh, to be honest, Mark, just uh, coming in, pulling in. And, and uh, I mean, I knew who he was the first times I, I seen him. But uh, we just started talking. He would start telling me stories about baseball and his past. And just every day, we just got friendlier and friendlier, uh, you know, until where we're at, to, you know, up until, you know, today. That we became like best friends. Yeah. How long would your conversations last on a daily basis? A couple hours, maybe. <laughs> For um, 
Zebra. Yeah, and, and then I would help him. Uh, you know, when he was starting to ail a little bit, he uh, it was hard for him to get up upstairs. So I had a little bit of free time. I would take a little break, and I would walk upstairs with him and take his bag and sit in the booth with him a little bit and just continue our conversations. So he wouldn't take the elevator up, or he would, and then you'd walk? He would. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, he would. Okay, and so... So you'd walk, he'd walk in, you guys would start talking, then you would meander over to the elevator, then you'd walk into the booth, then you'd hang out there, and, and eventually you'd, you'd go back to, back to work, basically. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, what was the conversation normally about, Tom? Well, it was in the beginning, uh, first of all, he would, as time went on, he'd come in, he'd be talking to Barbara's wife, Barbara, on the phone. And on the speaker, and I would kind of walk away, not to interrupt him. And he goes, no, 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 Barb, say hello to Tom, you know. And we, I would talk back and forth with his wife. And um, and then there was, you know, he would park his car, and then he would say, uh, you know, he would ask. Uh, some of my other workers were with me, and he would, like, you guys hungry? And we'd be like, oh, yeah, you know. And uh, what do you want? And I would tell him whatever. And he goes, and then his voice would get a little higher. No, don't tell me whatever. What do you want? <laughs> and I would ask the guys, and we'd come up with something. He'd either go pick the order up, or he would have it delivered. Every day. So generous. Oh, he was amazing. Amazing. Then on Sundays, he would come in real early to go to Sunday Mass at the park. And he would bring us breakfast sandwiches uh, donuts, rolls. Uh, it, it was just amazing. Uh, another thing he would do was really something. He would drive all the way to the south side. It was a place where they made rainbow ice cream cones. And he would bring like six cones in, wrapped up in tin foil. They were melting all over his car. But he would drive from his hotel all the way to the south side to get us these cones. That's awesome. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. He, for in the booth on Sundays, he always had, I think it was Kirsten's uh, bakery. The donuts were just incredible. Oh, yes. In fact, I just talked to Paul uh, Jepson from Kirsten. We, we've been talking every day since Ed passed away about him, you know. Yeah. He would, I'm like, Farmio, these donuts are amazing. He's like, yeah, downstairs they have breakfast sandwiches. I brought in 24 of them. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's, it's ringing true with what you're saying. Yes, yes, it was something. Uh, like I said, I'll never, I'll never forget it in my lifetime. You know. Did you realize, Tom, how beloved he was? I think we all had our appreciation for Ed, but the outpouring and the stories that have come out this week—it it really just makes every—it uh, makes me feel good just to see how many people are saying the exact same thing. Oh yeah, it was like, and it was right from, right from the beginning when I first met him. You know, he was—he's such a true person, true to heart person. And uh, another thing, real quick, that he used to do is, you know, before he went in, after we got our food and everything, he would sit. We had golf carts, you know. He would sit on a golf cart, and the fans started coming in, you know. And some people would see him, and they'd say, aren't you Ed Farmer? And he goes, you know what? Let's not talk about me. Who are you? What school did you go to? Did you play ball there? You know, it was just he never wanted anybody to think about him. He wanted to worry about everybody else. Yeah. Tom, I really appreciate you sharing. Not going to be the same around there without him, that's for sure. 
No, no, it's not, Mark. It's not. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of put some things down here. And, no, it's not going to be the same. Uh, things are going to be different. But, you know, like, we're we're pretty close there. Uh, we're all Sox family, and we'll we'll make it through, and we'll do it for him. Yeah. You know, final thing. Did you uh, – you said you put some stuff down. Is there anything that you haven't said that you want to get out there? Well, there's one real quick thing. I made a little thing about a dictionary, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like – if you look at the dictionary and look up the word friend, the name will be Ed Farmer. That's beautiful. Really, truly beautiful. Just so you know, Tom, from my perspective, you know, I, I started with a you know, small part on the broadcast team doing White Sox Weekly and, and some of the postgame shows a couple of years ago. And you want a friend. You want to feel like you belong, that you matter, that you're all of it. And Farmio would go out of his way to make you feel that way. You know, that's what resonates the most with me. You know, obviously this is not about me and it's not about you. It's about the whole thing. But it's, but it's, but it's, but it's who he was and he, and he really touched people and it's beautiful. Yeah. Another thing, Mark, too, he trusted me so much that, you know, he would have like an invited guest every game, no, pretty much every game. And they would pull into the lot, and the cashier would tell me, hey, these people are looking for you. They're friends with Ed Farmer. And he'd come up to me, and they'd say, Ed told me to look for you so you can help us get to where we had to go, pick up our passes, and get up to the booth to see Ed. You know? And this was, you know, and I felt so good because this was from day one that he trusted me to make sure that his friends and family and guests were taken care of and led in the right direction. You know, it was such an honor that he did this for me, you know. Uh, and I never thought it was, like, out of the way or it was too much. I will, I'm going to miss that more than anything just to, just to give him something back that he gave everybody else, you know. Well, and he loved he loved doing that. He loved being able to tell us, right? So, listen, you pull in, you see my guy Tom. He's gonna take care of you. You know, he loved he loved having somebody like you there. You were doing him a salad where his friends, knowing that they were showing up, that they were going to be treated first class the, the second they showed up at Guaranteed Rate Field. That's beautiful. That was an honor to me. That was an honor, you know. And we kept we kept contact, you know, like when even during the year, he loved the band. We both loved the band Chicago. And he would talk, he would tell me, Tom, I'm getting tickets. We're going to see Chicago. So three years in a row. So we went to see Chicago. We had dinner and uh, we had a lot of fun. And during the off season, we would talk at least once a week. You know, I would call him. He would call me, you know, find out how the family is, how his health was. We talk about Notre Dame football and of course the White Sox, you know, and uh, this went on all winter. And then we start talking spring training, you know, so it never ended. Our friendship never ended. Did he think that he was going to be back this year, or did you get a sense that, you know, maybe he knew that his time was short? Um, he really, I know he really wanted to come back. I had a feeling, Mark, just talking to him on the phone, he would tell me, Tom, how do I sound? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you sound good. He goes, I feel great. You know, I walked up the stairs and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... Well, that's great, Ed. That's great. But deep in my heart, I had a feeling that because of what happened last year and how bad he got, I was kind of like preparing myself that he wouldn't be back. 
Hey, Tom, thanks so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I, I know, uh, I know everybody else who's listening right now appreciates it as well. So you take care okay. and we'll, we'll okay. see it. We'll see at the ballpark and we'll be, we'll be honoring it all season. Well, fingers crossed that we'll be able to do that this year with everything that's going on. But whenever, whenever we get back there, we'll do it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. My pleasure. Tom okay. Morrow, 720 WGN.